Pashas Vayechi. Chazak Chumash Bereshis. A week, it started this week Sunday with the Yom Tov of Hei Teves and culminates on Friday with Asar Beteves. On all fast days, we aspire that it should be a Havchu Yom Elo the Sosin of the Simcha. These days should be turned over to happy days and joyful days. So we'll discuss me at Hashem Sarabatevis. The fast, some laws involving the fast. Discuss Pajvayhi. Chazak. And we'd be amiss to not stu- not discuss Hey Tavis. of Hey Tavis had many different significance to Chassidah Chabad. The story, in essence, when we look back at it, surreal to think that somebody went to the library, the private library of the previous Rebbe of the Rebbe and took out boxes and boxes of Svarim carried them out and he took them for his private fellow was related to Beisarav, fellow had was not just a common thief off the street he wanted to put a claim in that he had actual rights to what he was doing it's interesting another mechet that shenichnas beiroch the Rebbe Rashab says in Kuntra Semayin and Beis Hashem that a person does not do a sin until Rosh Tus enters his mind Stupidity, folly. Unless folly enters a person's mind, the person doesn't do a sin. And it's a very simple explanation to that. That a person generally has an ashama. In Chitas now we're discussing the Nefesh Alikis and the Nefesh Bahamas, the godly soul and the animal soul, as we might call it. The Nefesh Bahamas is no fool. The Nefesh Bahamas doesn't just tell a person, stop doing mitzvahs. Don't daven, don't make a bracha on what you're eating. The Nefesh Bahamas is very, very sly. And he comes in through different angles and different approaches to the person. And he goes through the person's intellect, or he goes through the person's uh, emotion. And he plays on these things. He plays on the person's mind, he plays on the person's heart. So a person, when a person does a sin, 
there's some kind of stupidity, a folly that went into the person's mind that brought him to such a level, to such a low level. This person went and took Svarim, and the Rebbe was very, 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 very perturbed. The Rebbe said the fellow literally does not understand that he's playing with fire. It's not just you took a book from somebody's library. The ultimate testimony that was brought out from the entire trial and case that went on was that the Rebbe belongs to the Chassidim. Not that Chassidim Chabad have a Rebbe on a payroll, but our existence is solely through the Rebbe. Now, it's sometimes hard to understand how we grasp such a thing. And it's also even harder to grasp if that was the case, and if that is the case, our existence is through the Rebbe. Where are we now? What is keeping our existence floating now? What's keeping our existence going now? So from Pash Vayechi, we learn right away, Vayechi Yaakov Beretz Mitzayim, Yaakov lived. But the Pasha talks about Yaakov's passing. So the first answer, as we know, is Ma Zare Bechayim Afu Bechayim. His children lived on, so too he lives on. And that the existence of Yaakov Avinu continues to exist, and that his children live on. And they live on, his legacy continues on. But it goes a step further. Rashi, who doesn't try to learn anything deeper than the actual skin takes it, brings the Gemara in Tainus, and the Gemara in Tainus tells us, and I'll quote from Pasuk Lamed Gimel, Pasuk Lamed Gimel, Perik Memtes, Vayyosef Raglov Rashi says that Yaakov was about to pass away, he pulled up his legs. Vayigva Vayyosef. It does not say that Vayyomay say he passed away. And Rashi says, Umiso le Nemrabay does not say anything about dying. The Amr Razal and the Gemara tells us in Mesechtestainis, Yaakov Avinu Loi Meis. Yaakov Avinu did not die. And the question was asked, but we physically saw a funeral take place. And we're going to actually discuss the whole funeral procession and the carrying and etc. the instructions. So then what does it mean that he did not die? Where are we going and saying such a thing? To this we have to understand this concept of Ma'azare B'chayim Afhu B'chayim His children continuing his legacy is not just that we continue what our forefathers did but more so 
we literally give the full life of the forefathers a continuity, a perseverance, because we are, we are perpetuating not their memory, but their existence. Now, the, I mean, the physical mundane world has, has a very hard time grasping and understanding what that means. What do you mean when you tell me that I am doing a mitzvah, and because I am doing a mitzvah and I'm following the ways of our fathers, Yaakov is still alive. It's almost far-fetched. Far-fetched. Let us look into another happening in our passion. Perhaps understand where the mind's eye and where the far-fetched in life has to be reached and how sometimes we have to... deter common sense and overcome obstacles that are beyond our comprehension. We didn't mention that the schus of Shir is Yaakov ben Hadassah should have Rafur Shalema. But so far, Nat would have been proud of the vocabulary, I think. We're doing very well, for lack of any other better words, actually. Um... Is that a real person? Matt is a real person. Yeah, I saw him. Twice. Question is only is he still alive? Um, he'll live, he'll live, he's living. Yaakov Avinu is the is lying on his deathbed. And back and forth conversation, Rashi keeps bringing back and forth who the messengers were. They went to call Yosef at Tzadik and tell Yosef his father is about to die. Father is about to die and therefore you better come. Immediately Yosef's reaction is he brings his sons, Yosef, Menashe and Ephraim. He brings Menashe and Ephraim and tells his father to bring them, take them and bless them. <laughs> A myriad of questions comes about. I mean, it's, it's crazy, this whole con- the whole concept here. All the brothers were in Mitzrayim. If they were all in Mitzrayim, and their father's about to die, first of all, why was only Yosef notified? Second of all, why did he only bring Menashe and Ephraim? Why didn't he notify his brothers to tell them, come quick, daddy's dying? And third of all, why is it that Yaakov actually sits down and understands that it's Menashe and Ephraim that he's going to bench now? Not all the rest of his children. Why is he not saying, wait a minute, grandchildren, Taka, you know, if I knew how much fun grandchildren would be, I would have had them first. But, um, got to have, you know, I got to bless my children first. We have to know our priorities, you know. Lady came to a dentist just to get a little bit off the, uh, a little off color, but a little off the the intensity of this parsha. And she asked the dentist, "How much does it cost to take out a wisdom tooth?" The dentist says, "Listen, it's surgery. It's oral surgery. It's about two hundred fifty dollars." 
says, $250, a lot of money, I can't afford that. So he says, listen, if I don't have to stitch it up afterwards, it's 200 He says, 200 is way too much, out of, way out of the budget. He says, if I don't have to use anesthesia, charge you 150 She says, it's very nice to you. But if you're not using the anesthesia, then obviously you're charging less, but still $150 is outlandish. All right, you know what? Instead of using my regular tools, I'll use appliers. I'll charge you 100 She says, listen, dentist, you're a great guy and everything else, but you're, you're, you're over, over the limit. I can't. $100 is just not my budget. He says, you know what? I have an underling, an stu- understudy, that's learning dentistry. I'll have him do it with an old pair of pliers for 50 bucks. <laughs> she says, now you're talking. Okay, make an appointment for my husband next week, Tuesday. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you have to sometimes get into perspective as to who we're talking about, what we're talking about. We're talking here about Yosef coming with Ephraim and Menashe. And it's not as if Yaakov was, God forbid, senile and forgot his children. Because Yaakov's reaction, when Yosef says, in response to me, Ela, first says the Yaakov comes, Yosef comes with the children, and he says to him, introduction to what's going on, now this is my two children that I have here in Mitzrayim, your two children, so I write to him, Ephraim and Asher, and Yaakov says, Ephraim and Asher, Kiruvim Vishimim Yuli. I love Ephraim and Asher so much, it's just like I love Reuven and Shimon, my own children. So, just get, to, to get one under the carpet, why does he compare them to Reuven and Shimon? Once to say, I love them like my own children, he could say, uh, like you and Binyamin. Why is he choosing Reuven and Shimon to compare him? So the Balaturim, who's very, very profound, profuse, profound and gematria, numerical value of the words, says Ephraim and Menashe are the same gematria as Reuven and Shimon. That's why he chose them. Huh? He was definitely on the ball, yeah. He was on the ball. There's nothing to talk. He had all his faculties. So... He asks, they come now, and he brings Ephraim and Menashe before him. Now, Yaakov has a little issue to take care of. Yaakov is well aware of where he's holding in his end of, end of days, shall we say. His days are marked. Yosef HaTzadik never mentions this. But Yaakov was no fool. Somebody there? Where? Where is that? Um, I don't want to come middle of the thought. Yaakov. Had, a lot, had tremendous foresight. 
he calls in the son that's going to be responsible for the export here. The rest of the Shvatim were very, very special, very holy. But they didn't have any political connections in the time. If he wants to get buried anywhere, not in Egypt, he's got to have pull in the government. So he calls in his pull, Yaakov. The Nile of the world and everything else. They didn't want to let him leave. They, he brought in the blessing of of, of, uh, of prosperity. And they hit him. I have to come on to Yosef HaTzadik, the king, and I have to get him to get me out of Egypt. But I've got a, he's got a major bone to pick with me. Let us read the conversation. Vani says Yaakov to Yosef, Bevoi mi Padlan, when I came from Padlan Aram, Mesa Olai Rochel Rochel passed away. Beres Kenan and Ez Kenan, Bevaderach on the road. Ba'ed Kivrasad et Slavi Ephras, still back, way back in Ephras. Vek Bereh Shom Bederach Ephras, and I buried her in, Beis, in Ephras, Beis Lachem. What does this have to do here, middle? Reuven and Shimon, Ephraim, Rasha, like Reuven and Shimon, and the beautiful things, and the children you're bringing before me. And by the way, your mother Rachel died on the road, and I just buried her on the roadside. What's going on over here? Where are you all of a sudden throwing this in? And Rashi says, Ben Chamesh the Mikra is no fool. And the Mechamesh the Mikra right away smells a rat. And he says, what's, Rashi, what's all of a sudden Yaakov throwing in this commercial break? What's the advertisement for Rachel's grave site? And Rashi tells the Ben Chamesh the Mikra, I want to tell you a little story, my kind. Yosef never expressed it. Yosef never confronted his father about it, and Yosef never went head to head with his father. But Yosef's mother, Rachel, was not buried in Maris Machpela. Yosef's mother was not buried together with the forefathers and the mothers. And ultimately, Leah goes together to be buried together with Yaakov. You want to tell me that anyone is superhuman enough to rise above that? Anyone is superhuman enough to say, you buried my mother out of Eretz Yisrael, uh, not out of Eretz Yisrael, but out of the Mother Samach and now you're telling me I should make sure to go take you. I'll tell you the same thing. My father died over here in Egypt, and uh, we got him a nice place in Goshen. We found him a nice lot there. Beautiful view, ocean view. A Goshen view. A Goshen view, yes. Pine view. We'll give you some nice trees, we'll put you in trees. Don't worry, Papa will set you up a beautiful oil here in Egypt. It'll be all good. You're going to tell me, you're going to have the audacity to tell me after dissing my mother, shall we say, in American language, after making such... All of a sudden you want me to now go and take you to so 
the expense and the customs and the and the, uh, the all the arrangements and all the bombing and everything else. You have any idea what this is going to involve? This is not just a burial off the side of a road. You want me to go the whole nine yards over here, and then plus, well, look what you did to my mother. Says Rashi, Yosef did not have a moment of such thoughts in his heart. And Yaakov could not fathom Yosef was such a high level. A, because he's a human being. And B, because he was so many years in Egypt. It had, something had to rub off. And by being the most secular person, it's not humanly possible, for emotionally possible, for a human being to stand up and say, no skin off my back, water off a duck's rat, no problem. So you, you put my mother wherever she put, you put him, wherever it was convenient for you. You want to be buried in no problem, I'll take you. I'll take you wherever you want to go. It's not a problem, he said. He did do it. They did connect. We made the connection. Check it out. We had, we're just going into this major issue here we're discussing. Yaakov, before he blesses Menashe and Ephraim, all of a sudden mentions to Yosef the story of Rachel's passing. And he says how Rachel may have passed away in Beis Lachem, and he buried her there. And then he goes back to blessing Menashe and Ephraim, as if nothing ever happened. What went on here? Yaakov Avinu held Yosef in great high esteem. And he saw Yosef was doing the right thing and was behaving the way a nice, proper Jewish boy. But he could not believe that he was not affected whatsoever living in Mitzrayim. It's just not acceptable. It's not something that the human mind can, can grasp. To live so many years in Mitzrayim without a family, without anything, something had to affect his emotion, his mind frame, his something... He had to have some kind of bone over the fact that his mother is not put with Mother Samachpela. So Yaakov wanted to, as in Yiddish, the word is Bavorn. Yaakov wanted to make sure that his bases were covered. <laughs> you know, they say that, uh, I got an interesting email yesterday. Obama went to visit the Queen of England. And he wanted to know, how, what's the secret to running a country properly? And she said, you have to surround yourself by intelligent people. So he said, how would I know if they're intelligent? And she, she asked him a riddle. She said, like what? Just one minute. She buzzes the intercom. Send in Tony Blair, please. Tony Blair comes in and she says, Tony, your mother and father had a child. It's not your brother and it's not your sister. Who is it? Tony says, it's me. Thank you. And Obama was duly impressed. He flew back to America and he called immediately in, um, what's his name? Joe Biden. And I said, Joe, your mother and father had a child. It's not your brother, not your sister. Who is it? Joe says, let me get back to you on that. And he goes out to all the presidential advisors. Nobody has an answer. <laughs> then Joe Biden had to go to the bathroom. He was sitting in the bathroom stall and he saw underneath on the floor, 
And next booth, Colin Powell's shoes. So he says, hey, Colin. He says, yeah. He says, your mother and father had a child. It's not your brother, not your sister. Who is it? He says, it's me. Oh, great. He goes, he gets out, he runs to Obama, and he says, I have an answer to your riddle. He says, yeah, who is it? He says, Colin Powell. Obama picks up his, his paperweight and hits him in the head, and he says, you idiot. It's... No. No. Tony Blair. <laughs> so now you know why our country looks like this. <laughs> um, I can see Bush doing the same thing. Yeah, okay. Doesn't matter. But that's what, right now, we're, we're stuck with Obama. And it, I don't know if you've noticed lately, the situation is not getting better. Anyway, back to the concept here that Yasef is now going to deal with his father and deal with the burial of his father exactly the way his father wants. But there's a problem here. And before we get to the actual burial, let's finish off how Yosef proves to his father how immaculate his record is and how perfectly he behaved as a Jew. His father says, he sees the children of Yemen and he says, Mi Eila, who are them? Who are they? <laughs> Hello? Yaakov is living in Mitzrayim for 17 years. In case you don't know, you don't know the numbers. Yaakov was in Mitzrayim for 17 years. And Yosef was 17 years old when he was sold down to Egypt. How many years did Yaakov spend with Yosef? 17 and 17 is 34. Vayechi Yaakov, Vayechi is Gematria 34. What did Yaakov, what was the real life of Yaakov, the 34 years that he spent with Yosef and Tzadik? Alright, that was a commercial. Back to the regular scheduled program. He says to him, what are you talking about, Yaakov? You learned with the kids every single day. You learned with the Menashe every single day for 17 years. Now you're asking Mi'ela? You didn't lose it here. You were sharp like a nail till now. Now she says, Mi'ela... They're missing, something is missing in the air. I don't feel that the bracha, they're fitting for a bracha. Something is missing. Tells us the Medrash, Yosef produced two pieces of paper. The Shtar Tnoim and Hishtar Ksuba. And he says, Papashki, Listen to me, my father. Not only are these children proper Jewish children, not only are they from a proper Jewish father and mother, but I did the marriage, Kedas Moshe Yisrael, with a Tenoyim and a Ksuba. Let us scrutinize what's going on here. Vatikach. Yitzchak and Rivka, Ayala. Yitzchak took took Rivka to his tent, and they were married. Wedding, Chupa, hello, nothing. Abraham took Sarah. We didn't see an invitation for that one either. Yaakov marries Rachel or Leah. 
he gets into trouble with Leah. How come? Because if there was a wedding ceremony, he would have known. He would have read the Tzibah. He would have seen who it was. So what happened here all of a sudden? The fathers kept all the mitzvahs. Where did we go wrong? Where did they lose over here in the mitzvah of, of Chuppah Kedushim? So it could be one of the three or all three. We do today all three. Okay, so now we see that something here. Obviously, you're correct. We didn't say that <laughs> there was an anniversary party for the 50th anniversary. And the parents had six children. And God bless a whole bunch of grandchildren. And um, had to make a 50th anniversary party. The parents made the party. And they invited all the children and the grandchildren. They didn't want to, you know, subject the children to the expense and everything else. First child arrives from Long Island. Mama, Papa. It was so hard, a hassle, getting the kids in the car and everything else. We didn't have a chance to buy you a gift. So sorry. It's wonderful to have you here. Don't worry, have a seat. Second child comes. Mama, Papa, how are you? It's so wonderful to be here and everything else. Um, we switched cars in the middle and we forgot that we didn't bring your gift. Don't worry, sit down. And each child came with another excuse for not bringing a gift. <laughs> At the end of the party, the father gets up and says, I have to tell you something. Mama and I decided that if we lived to the 50th anniversary, we would disclose to you the secret that uh, you were all born out of wedlock. So the oldest one says, y- You mean we're. we're, we're he says, yeah, and cheap ones, too. <laughs> um, fact is, though, Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov got married. We're not saying they didn't get married. But let's call the spade a spade. What transpired here? I've always kept all the mitzvahs before Martin Taylor. Did you text Ezra asking if he can come with if he can get him a 10? Huh? You don't have Oh. Text him, ask him if he can be here by 10. We can get a meeting together. Because we're 7 here, my nephew is here at 8. My son Melody will be here, so only Ezra will be missing me 10. Everybody have married? I didn't. Okay. He says, so let's, let's get real. They kept all the mitzvahs before the Torah was given. Beautiful thought. It's a beautiful concept. They did it spiritually. They did it physically. They ate Karim Pesach. The night, the, the day that the three angels came to Avram, Vino was Pesach, and he was having the Seder. All the beautiful mitzvahs they kept. When the Torah dictates to us that there's a concept of Ekshtar Ksuva that has to be given to the wife, and Yitnes Ksuvasa, and the get, if they break up, he has to write a get, once it's in text, it almost makes sense. It almost makes sense. The whole cast of Shtar, Bia story, almost makes sense. But prior to Matan prior to the actual text telling us instructions to do this, it looked a little weird. So it says the Oves didn't necessarily go through with all that, of presenting Aksuba with the time, this or that. Because it would have been very, very confusing and awkward for people to say, you know, you guys are going overboard. <coughs> Yesuf was in Mitzrayim. In Mitzrayim, you can't be 100% a Jew. 
you have to be 110. Because it, it was the lowest of low of lands. So to be in this land and to try to just stay far, a regular Jew, you're going to fall. You'll collapse. So Yosef had to overdo it. Yosef went, shall we, as we call in America, the overkill. And part of the overkill is he tells his father, look, I even drew a time and a ksuba for this chuppah. For this I left no stone unturned. Don't ask me, Mi'ela, that is there's anything wrong. Are these children legitimate or not? These children are 100% legitimate and then some. Because I even have this tonight with the Ksuda. He went through great, great lengths of it. And this is the conversation. <coughs> the whole conversation is, is so so random. To think how what they had to go through, how he had to prove himself that he was actually above water in all the things that he was keeping to and doing. Before we, we have to go still to Sarabatavis. Um, this week's Pashas Chazak, we said before. And we all know that it's a very exciting thing to call out. All the children are called inside. So quickly, quickly, chazak, chazak. Even in some shuls, they have the little play, school, play groups and things where the children are outside during Kriya Satera, not to disturb. Today you have to send out the parents. Because <laughs> they disturb worse than the children would. I, I told you a million times the story. In Vegas, there was a, a big show, a big electronic show. And it went over a weekend. So guys had to stay there over the weekends. And in... The Chassidish circles, the guys who wear Shreimlach, um, what they do is, they wear the talus over the head during davening, Shreimlach on the side or hanging, and for Kriya Satera, they put the Shreimlach, they put the talus, the tut of the talus on their shoulder, and they put the Shreimlach on their heads. If they get an aliyah, they put down the Shreimlach, they put the talus back on again. And then for Musaf, they put back on the talus. But they also... A lot of the people, I mean, today's days, things have changed a lot in that way, because people have learned to uh, stop doing that. But unfortunately, there's a, um, people that tend to talk a lot during Kriya and they're totally oblivious to what's going on. And one such fellow was talking, and they were reading the Torah, he had no idea where they were up to, if it was coming or going. And someone screams to him, Moshe, Moshe, they called you for an aliyah. Yep. He takes off his trimble, throws it down, he puts on his towel. He starts striding towards the sefetera. And he's walking by, there's one of the guys there is a kibitzer. Kibitzer is a guy who's got a joke about everything. And he says to him, Moshe, Gibach, be careful, it's a very heavy sefer. Moshe had no problem with those things. Moshe was a strapping fellow. And he gets to the sefer and he opens it up, he grabs it, he lifts it up off the bima, and everybody starts screaming, Put it down, we're holding Hamishi, you idiot! He was totally oblivious to where they were up to, what was coming or going. Fortunately, it happens. Chazak, chazak, when it's chazak, everybody knows where we're holding. Everybody knows it's chazak, it's an it's, it's exciting moment. So there's a few things we have to discuss about chazak. First of all, we know the klal, the generalization. Not tchilasan b'seifim, b'seifim b'tchilasan. 
Teira never ends. Teira doesn't have loose ends to it, a beginning and end. If there's a beginning, there's an end, they all intertwine. Your cup is coming. They all intertwine. The beginning and the end have to have a fitting piece that match them together. And most importantly, an end has to be on a, on a proper note. We don't end off on a sour note something. And yet, look at the Pasha. Look at our Chazak of Veracious. We're all going to sing with happy voices. Chazak, Chazak, Venis Chazak. My mother made a chocolate cake. It says the last Pasuk, Vayamos Yosef Bemeyeves Hashanim. Yosef died at 110 years old. And they buried him in, an, in, a, in a coffin in Mitzrayim. Chazak, Chazak, Venis Chazak. What are you singing about? What are you singing about? The guy, the guy that, the uh, guy got a telegram. Got a telegram. Bell rings. Who is it? Telegram. A telegram for me. In the olden days, there's no texting and no faxes. Got a telegram. Emergency. You have to be notified. You got a telegram. He says, uh, do me a favor. He says, what? He says, all my life I waited for a singing telegram. Can you sing it to me? This is not a singing telegram. He says, listen, what's the difference in price than regular and singing? The difference in price is uh, $35. Here's $35. Sing it to me. He says, all right. He opens the telegram, takes out his harmonica, and goes, goes, your mother's dead. Yeah. Um, what are we singing about? And this is what singing. Someone's got a wrong story. Wrong. You're singing at the wrong tune. What's the next chumash? English What happens in Shemais? Horrific. The Jews and living in that same Egypt that they were living till now become total bitter low life slaves. They're enslaved and they're tortured and they're Whoa, what's going on here? How could they possibly overcome such a pain? Says Tata. The solution to the Gullus was set up before the sickness. The refuah comes before the makkah. Before a disease is put down on the world, there's already a remedy for it. A medicine. And the medicine here was Vayamas Yosef. That same Yosef that was the, 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 the jet setter, the one that paved the road for the Eden to come down to Egypt. That same Yosef did not leave the Jews in Egypt alone. He did not desert them. Rather, he buried, he stayed in an Aaron, in a coffin, but he stayed in Mitzrayim. And as long as they knew they had the powers and the holiness of Yosef in Mitzrayim, they were able to overcome their obstacles. So this, in essence, this Pasuk is telling us that this tremendous strength that Yosef empowers us with. You know, my friends, we have a very difficult time in life. Why me? 
Почему? Лама. Порке. So many things that happen in life and we say, why did that happen? Why did that horrific, why did I, why did I deserve that terrible, terrible thing? And we have a machlekes, a very interesting machlekes between two very holy people. One was Rabbi Akiva, and one was Rabbi Nochum Ishgamzu. Rabbi Akiva always said, Kol de'oved rachmano letav oved. Whatever God does is for the good. Rabbi Nochum Ishgamzu said, This too is for good. And we have to spend a few hours um, dissecting these words. One says, what I see is actually a problem. But, since it's from God, I'm sure good will come out of it. And one says, I don't see a problem. It's pure goodness, because it's from God. Did Ezra say he's coming? Hopefully, men will be here too. Yaakov Avinu had a little issue. His loving child, his young, young Yosef, was taken away from him at 17 years of tender, 17 years of age. They had a tremendous connection here, besides the fact that. It was only Yosef and Binyamin that were born to Rachel. Besides that he loved Rachel so dearly, he worked 14 years for Rachel. But Yosef was very close to him. And Yosef was snatched from his hands and was sold to Mitzrayim. Now Yaakov knew it throughout. Because the Gemara says Yaakov felt always that Yosef was still alive. A very simple, easy, simple strange reason he never forgot him the pain never went away if a person passes away the pain ultimately withers away, you don't see the person crying every day the same way the person passed away the first day you should never have to cry for anybody and here all of a sudden Yaakov could not get he couldn't shake it Yaakov suffered for these 30 plus years Something tremendous, more than 30 years. Was it Huh? If he was 17 when he passed away, when, yeah, okay, it was about 22 years. 20 plus years, he suffered tremendously. Who was culpable for this suffering? His children. It comes at the end of our, at the, in the middle of our Pasha, and what is Yaakov doing? He's blessing his children. Yaakov now has spent 17 years hearing this horrific story of Yosef being sold, of what they actually did to him years ago, how he ended up being, his travel to Mitzrayim, the story of Paitifar, the anxious Paitifar, sitting in jail in Egypt. Yaakov obviously heard all these stories from Yosef. I mean, they, you don't tell me they never sat and talked. So where have you been, buddy? That conversation had to be struck up somehow. Where have you been in 17 years? They didn't talk about it. Of course they did. So Yaakov now knew 
that his sons were culpable for his deprivation from his son. But yet, he benches them even keel. He benches them exactly as if he would have had he never known, had they never done anything wrong. 2020 hindsight is probably the best thing you could have in the world. Had I known, I would have. If I would have, before I'd, before I'd known, it'd be great. Unfortunately, many things that we do, and we only afterwards turn around and say, oops. Yaakov is now with Yosef. He comes to Yosef in what predicament? King. Not only is he king, he's got the food, he's got the livelihood, He's saving the nation. Marachai is here, yeah? And Ezra, I think, is coming. He's the tenth one. But the most didn't hear. I didn't. So Yaakov is now coming in and seeing the entire picture. Had he known this 20 plus years ago, what they had done, he might have been angry at his children. Because he might not have seen the bracha that was in it. At this point in time, really, he saw the entire bracha come into fruition. And therefore, he was able to overcome any kind of hard feelings. Just a quick nose, we have to do a Sarabateva still. The beginning of Chumash Bereshit starts off with the creation of other Marishim. Let us go further than the end of the Chumash. The only thing after after we read tomorrow's Torah, after we say Chazak, Chazak, Venus Chazak, is the Haftarah. And the Haftarah talks about Davar HaMelech. There's an opinion, all the opinions say that Davar HaMelech's Neshama had no years. It was destined to come down to the world with no years. In other words, he was not supposed to live at all. He was to be born and die. According to one opinion, other Marishan gave Davramelech 70 years. And that's why Adam doesn't die at a thousand years old, he dies at 930. Because he gave David 70 years. So therefore, we see the beginning of the Chumash and the end of the Chumash come together. Because the beginning of the Chumash is Adam Rishon's creation, and the end of the Chumash is Davar Melech's passing. And they're directly intertwined one with the other. What's the Haftarah, according to another opinion, of Davar Melech's passing, connected to Vayechi? Yitzchak Avinu lived for 180 years. Yaakov lived for 147. What's the difference in years? How many? 33 years less. Yaakov lived 33 years less than his father. His father now Yaakov died at 147 and Yasef died at 110. How many? 37. 37 and 33. Yaakov and Yasef combined their years 
and they gave to David the 70 years. Another opinion, that the 70 years of David came from Yaakov and Yosef. And since Yaakov and Yosef passed away in this Pasha, therefore it's only apropos to read of Yosef, of David and Melech's passing. That's why it connects the Pasha with, the thing, with this. But very, very, very quickly, the concept here of Yosef lived for 110 years, and then the Pasuk repeats again, Vayamas Yosef, you already told us that Yosef lives for 110 years. Why are you telling us now that he died at 110 years old? What's the, why read a petition? And the very simple explanation, Yosef lived for 110 years. Is a separate entity to the fact that he died at 110 years. When Yosef became second in command in Shaim, Pare told him, now that you're becoming a viceroy in Egypt, I'm calling you Tsofnas Paneach. That's your Egyptian name. I'm giving you an official national passport. You're having a uh, political uh, asylum here. And you have your stamp on your passport, and your name is Tsofnas Paneach. That's the only time we hear it in the Torah. Is when Pari gave it to him. <laughs> he never used it. Because the next Pasuk says, And Yosef walked out on Mitzrayim. Yosef led Mitzrayim, and Yosef ruled Mitzrayim. It never says anything about Sofnas Paneach. He left his passport in Pari's draw. What does Sofnas Paneach mean? That was the name, it was an Egyptian name for, for ruler. For, for He's the one who uh, reveals the hidden. Because he, he told him the dreams. Yosef lived for 110 years means Yosef as the name Yosef lived for 110 years he never changed that name Bereshis the word Bereshis which is the first word of the Chumash is an acronym Rosh Tevis Bidah, creation. Shame, Yisrael Tikra. Call yourself always by a Jewish name. Don't use any other outside name. And this is therefore how Vayamas Yosef. Yosef always lived as Yosef 110 years, and so too the beginning of the Chumash tells us Bidah. A Jewish person has to always call themselves by their Jewish name. Asara Batevis this Friday. Asara Batevis technically is a very light fast. First of all, it's a very simple fast, the shortest fast, because it's in the very short days of the month. It begins actually at 5.14, I think, or 5.45. 5.45, and ends at 5.16. Most shuls dab in my. The email said 5:14. They were called out. Because the Alter Rebbe holds, it'll be 5:14. Okay. It was 45 minutes before this shachet, but the Etzim's 5:45. If a person goes to sleep Thursday night, he may not drink or eat after that. When he gets up in the morning, even if he gets up before the 5:15 or the 5:45, huh? However, if he makes up in his mind that he's going to get up early so that he can drink a coffee beforehand, or else he can't survive the day, 
then he may do so. It's extremely difficult to fast only because it's Friday and the kitchen is popping and hopping and all day long and you all the food, the Friday foods that you're always used to tasting, all of a sudden you can't keep your hands on. Problem is also a lot of we end up with a lot of leftovers after Shabbos because most of the now you know how much you really eat on Friday. Um, then a lot of secrets you learn from this. Uh, as easy as a fast, as light as a fast is, women that are pregnant, women that are nursing, people that are not well can very simply call it off, and most Rabbanim will give a head that they do not have to fast. Um, we don't want to even have to do that. We don't. We don't want to come into that level. We don't want anyone to Hashem label us as not well or anything else. So, you know, we take it on. Fight. Tough it up. Um, the only fest that could be on a Friday is a Sarabateus. There is no other fest that is allowed to be. You're not allowed to fast on Friday because you're not allowed to go into Shabbos for the fest. But a Sarabateus is allowed. A Sarabateus has one more step. Although you're allowed to wash your hands, you're allowed to wear shoes, you're allowed to wear not, not like Tishbev or Yom Kippur. And of course, it also doesn't, as we just said, doesn't start from the night before. But Asar Batevis has another similarity to Yom Kippur. If Asar Batevis would fall on Shabbos, we would fast on Shabbos. Tishbev comes on Shabbos, we don't. Tishbev comes on Shabbos, we fast on Sunday. But Asar Batevis, if, if it would ever fall, doesn't. But it, should it ever fall out on Shabbos, we would fast then also. Why? We learn from Sarabatev, where do we learn it from? It's a Pasuk in Yecheskel, it says, On this day, in the 10th month, which is uh, Tevis, the 10th month from Chedesh Nissen, on this day in the 10th month is a fast day. The only other place that Be'etzimayemazeh is referred to is by Yom Kippur. And therefore, as a comparison of Sarabatev's to Yom Kippur, just like Yom Kippur can be a fast on Shabbos, so to a Sarabatevis can be fasted on Shabbos. This is a it's one of the limudim that Hillel can established how to derive something from something else. Um, Kiddush is made, most shuls will daven as early as possible so that people can get home so they can make Kiddush immediately. It's a mitzvah, not a mitzvah to make Kiddush the tardy later on Friday night and to make Kiddush later because you're not allowed to actually fast on Shabbos and you're ultimately still fasting on Shabbos if you don't make Kiddush as soon as you can. Uh, it's a little difficult to make Kiddush on an empty stomach, but it's not any worse than Havdallah Matzim Kippah. Um, there are those that fast on the 8th and the 9th as well. On the 8th of Tevis, the Chachamim were called together by Ptolemy, a uh, king, an Egyptian king, and he told them to translate the Torah in Greek. He took 70 Chachamim, 70 sages, and he put them all in separate rooms. And he told them to translate the Torah in Greek. I'm pushing overtime now because I'm waiting for the 10th guy to come for the meal. Um, what was the problem? It is written that this day where they had to translate the Torah into Greek was worse than the day that the Eagle and Hazel was made. Why? First of all, the idea that they were doing was they took 70 different people, put them in 70 different rooms without telling them beforehand what they wanted them to do. They figured there would be discrepancies in translations. And if there'd be a discrepancy in the translations, then they would immediately get their philosophers to punch holes in Torah. 
and to disprove Tera being Tera Zemes, and to disprove the spiritual sanctity of Tera, because there'd be differences. Look, how you can't even interpret it the same way. Everyone's mind takes it a different direction. A tremendous miracle occurred. And every deviation that they made in the Tera and translation, each one of them came up with the same one. For example, the first thing was Bereshit's Baral Akim. If you translate that Bereshit's Baral Akim, it translates that Bereshit created God. They translated it though that God created in the beginning. Because in the beginning God created it, or, or in the beginning God was created. So therefore, so they understood that this is what the Greeks would take it as, that's why they, they all in, interpreted it, they twisted it. And they all, Beruach HaKedosh, all these little twists and nuances were changed the exact same way. This is a tremendous mephis. However, the desecration of Teda was not to be believed by this. The desecration of taking Teda's Teda from the holy language of the language in which it's written and translating it into a, a pagan language, this in itself caused the desecration in Teda. And that is the first, for that reason, there are those that fast even on the 8th of Tevis. On the ninth of Tevis, Yecheskel and Avi died. And I don't remember the other person. Sometimes they're writing things down. And therefore, there are those that fast on the ninth as well. But ultimately, the fast of the tenth, the tenth reason for the fast of the tenth is because the Yerushalayim was seized on the Sarabatevis. The actual Churban took place on Tishabov. The actual breaking of the walls of Yerushalayim were on Shivas Batamas. But the actual siege of Yerushalayim was done on Asar Batavis. And therefore, this was the first stepping stone that caused the destruction of the temple. So, therefore, this day was established as a day of fast. Um, obviously, not a simple fast, and yet it's, so, it's taken so lightly. It's, I mean, it happened, I think, in 05 and in 96. I have to look it up again. Yeah. It might still be on my computer screen. I don't know. It is. Um, 01, excuse me. It was the 20th of December 1996 and January 5th, 2001. Those are the last two times that it happened. Friday? It's happened, yeah. It's happened before that as well. I was in, in 78 or 79, it should happen in Walton, I believe. Because I was in Yeshiva, New Jersey then. It was a phenomenal thing, because we fasted on Friday. And usually, the Bacharim would... Usually, we went to Miftzayim. We came home Friday afternoon. We had Seder Chesedis. Then we had Seder Nigunim. Someone said a Maimer. And then we had Kabbalah Shabbos. And guys tardied, and you didn't get... It's usually seven, seven thirty. We went downstairs to make kiddush, or even eight o'clock. And um, on that Friday, because everybody was fasting, so exhausted from going on and everything else, by seven o'clock the whole dormitory was like a ghost town. It was amazing. I, these days, that can be turned.
and I hope we can find our 10th guy here for the now.